0: Welcome to another episode of the Steven Ideas Football Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Mr. Boy SG and Sasha Bakery. In the last episode, we had a preview of and prediction of the round of 16 matches. And now that the round of 16 has concluded, we now have a review and also a look back of each matches and see and and have uh, an analysis of game by game as well. And with this, today... um, we, we are joined with Uday, France fan Uday. Uday, welcome.
1: Bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> how are you?
0: <laughs> we are good, we are good. And also, I want to welcome my co-host back as well, Arjun. Arjun, welcome back. Good. Thanks, Stephen. Good to be back. Uh, exciting
2: things to talk about
0: tonight. <laughs> yes, definitely. There are eight tasty matches to talk about today. Um, Uday, let us address the elephant in the room. France got knocked out against Switzerland on penalties. Kylian Mbappel missed the decisive
1: penalty. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, that was a very, very interesting game that happened. Uh, just a quick note about how Switzerland played really, really well. And I think this was the first time I saw a manager make six substitutions in a match, up to the point in which extra time. Uh, and... The substitutions were all brilliant, made by the Swiss manager. Technical masterclass, I feel like. Switzerland dominated around 70 to 80 out of the 120 minutes, and France just showed up 30 minutes of the game. Uh, And what were the issues with regards to France was the starting of a back three with Langlet, who has very little sharp match fitness. That was... Definitely decisive for the first Swiss goal in which Stefanovic scored a header. You wouldn't be expecting a striker to have such a free space or a free header when there are three centre backs in the penalty area. So that was that. And because of Langlet's mistake, it led to France making a substitution in the second half, which made France play better. And after the third goal in which Pogba scored a wonderful goal, he was also responsible for the equalizer for Swiss in the 90, 90, 89th minute. And that sums up Paul Pogba's playing career. He's a genius, but a flawed genius with a lot of mistakes. And that's most probably why Manchester United cannot play him very regularly because the Manchester United's back line is already very. Shaky and flawed, and imagine somebody like Paul Pogba being there. Uh, so, because of all that, I think Switzerland deserved the victory, and France deserved to lose that match. I already told that. Uh, I assumed France was going to have issues with low defending, def- uh, low def- defenses with low line. However, all of France's goals throughout the tournament are because of that. France had an issue counter attacking. And Swiss counter-attack was really, was really well-structured. Um, that's my analysis. France deserved to lose. Congratulations to Switzerland. Your thoughts, Arjun?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was very well put. Uh, I think this was one of the matches that I didn't watch live. I thought it's France against Switzerland. Uh, I remember even our prediction was France too new. I thought it was going to be a boring match. France is going to control the match. So I didn't watch it. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, Holy shit, France is knocked out by Switzerland. And then I watched the highlights. But before watching the highlights, I went to see what the starting lineup was, and then I understood why. Um, for the first time, I think in this tournament, France has played a back three, uh, like you mentioned, a half feet long leg, not a fully fit long lane, Playing Rabio on the left wing back. Um, I think it was a disaster from the start. From the French coach, uh, I don't know why he was. Trying, what, what he was trying to do there he didn't call up Laporte he didn't call up Upamecano and he's playing long way in a back three uh, I think that, that's quite bad uh, that's, I, I, I don't know why he would want to do that that, that, that was probably the biggest mistake uh, because France have been playing alright with a back four not great but suddenly switching to a back three I think uh, altered the balance of the whole team and yeah Switzerland on the other hand everyone predicted them to Get knocked out in the round of 16. Even Cedric said they are usually a round of 16 team. They get knocked out in the round of 16. But in this match, they came alive. And seferovic I think, has missed quite a few chances during the group stages against uh the other teams like Italy, uh, Turkey, and uh, Wales. But in this match, he put away his chances, he bullied long way, especially for the first goal. Uh and yeah, uh, Pogba was dispossessed for the second goal mistake as well, although he scored a beauty. Like when they say that sums up. Paul Boba, uh just like nobody expected, that Paul Boba for France. Overall, yeah, I think Switzerland shocked everyone by uh, how good they played. I think they just went for it, uh, which showed in their approach. They scored three goals. They are generally a more defensive team, but yeah, here they scored three goals and good value for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone would say uh, going to through a penalty shootout and losing is slightly unlucky, but I think, uh, like they mentioned, Switzerland were full value for their win. So it's a welcome, to a victory.
0: Yeah, um, I think throughout all this, the uh, throughout the four match that France played, I think one thing that one thing that I wanted to point out is that I think it was a great decision that Didier Deschamps brought in Karim Benzema back from the, his exile from international football because as you can see, when Giroud played as a centre forward in the World Cup. He was the starting, starting center forward, but he didn't manage to score a goal. But it surprised everyone that Karen Benzema came back and then he got. He's much more effective and front as compared to Ben uh Giroud was last time. Yeah, so I think the defense was an issue for France, as you all discussed. And yeah, probably now uh, Laporte has gone further with Spain than he had. And France oh, did, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's a mistake. laughs> you made oh. the right
2: choice, that's for sure. You made the right yeah. choice. Yeah. Also, yeah. I'd like to point out that Saka has played brilliantly, and we have I don't think we have ever seen this Saka play for Arsenal. So right now Arsenal might be wondering whether they made the right decision, letting Saka go to Roma.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, I saw his assist for the equalizing goal for uh, Grovanovic, who that was a good pass. Yeah, all yeah. of their
1: passes were good. Even yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> the sec- second goal, the assist by Mbabu. Oh, yes, one across the right back. What a, <laughs> and what a brilliant cross that was!
0: Yeah, the, the, so, the, yeah. the, the right back cross. Yes, oh. so, yeah. okay. Um, right, um, Arjun,
2: Italy yeah. against Austria. Yeah, so, um, I think. Overall, this match did go how we expect result-wise. Of course, we didn't expect Austria to push Italy so much, push them all the way to extra time, Uh, caused so much problem in terms of Italy not being able to score. Uh, I think Austria did play pretty well as well. Uh, Again, they they only managed to score one goal, which was uh, a little bit lucky, I would say, as well, from a corner. Otherwise, Italy's defense did well, was quite strong. But overall, I think Austria has showed the rest of the world how to beat this Italian team, how to restrict the Italy's, Italy, Italian team's chances. I think Austria defended pretty well, limited uh, Italy's chances. Yeah, I think they held on quite well until extra time. And uh, yeah, they were undone by quality. Chiesa's goal was brilliant. Pessina's goal was brilliant as well. So I think it was just two moments of good quality from good, high quality players. I mean, I don't think it
1: was that surprising. Um, we already, I think, I already told you how Australia has a decent, or tight defense before, and I thought it was going to be a close game, and it was a close game. It went all the way up to the extra time yeah. for Italy to win. So again, it was Italy showed that they can just come up with moments of brilliance and hang on to it, unlike France, where they can come up with moments of brilliance and uh, explode or capitulate altogether in their own team. So I think Italy was very confident in their playing style and they did that. I just wanted to say that I think Arnautovic and Stefanovic are the two most angriest strikers I've seen for their countries. I haven't seen any other striker that angry. I mean, just see their face every time they celebrate, <laughs> just shouting and screaming at someone. And if Arnautuic <laughs> was slightly less angry, I think he would have scored the first goal for Austria. <laughs> mm.
0: Steven, any comments for the Italy game? Uh, No, I don't have any comments for this game. Okay. But I do, I do have comments for the next game though. Uh, Wales against Denmark today. Really.
1: Oh boy, uh, Wales just didn't show up. I think um, we, all of us assumed that Wales was going to, I think me and Arju said that uh, Wales was going to go through and Denmark, even though I think they would be tired and everything would have happened. But I think it was the opposite. Wales showed that they were not very consistent. They looked, uh, they just didn't show up at all. And good uh, for Stephen for indicating that Wales was quite poor in the, in the group stages and said that they might lose. And top marks for Denmark again, I think they just dominated the game and completely destroyed Wales
2: altogether. Yeah, um, uh, I, did. I think Gune and me were completely wrong as well on this, like what he mentioned. Uh, watching the match, Wales actually started really brightly. I think first five, 10 minutes they were dominating. They created a few chances, but they didn't finish. That was their mistake. Uh, they didn't even take one of their chances. And as soon as uh, Denmark started getting the game, that was it, that was over for Wales. They couldn't find a way to get back the ball. After that, each time they got back the ball, they just lost possession again. Um, again, once again, I, I think the striker Mo, uh, Kiefer Mo, he was quite poor in holding up the ball. Uh, Bino wasn't so great either after the 10th minute, Wales couldn't do anything with the ball. So yeah, overall, I think after the 10th minute, Wills just was blown away by Denmark. Uh, Dolberg, of course, brilliant, fantastic striker. Uh, good first goal. And yeah, I think from there that it was total Denmark uh, control. And I, I don't think they ever looked like losing the game after that. It, in fact, it yeah, felt like it was going to be like a 5-0, 6-0 kind of game. I think mm. they, they should have scored more with the chances they had.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I think I watched this game as well, and I, I feel the four new scoreline definitely flattered Denmark, mainly because Will capitulated after after um after the second goal uh, They're kind of you know they we kind of probably fatigue, and then they considered two more goals uh, near near the end of the match, and I feel they played okay, average, not good. uh, pro- uh like what Arjun say, yeah, I agree with you. The start was good. I mean, like they had a bright start. Then when um their started to come back into the game, then they scored the first goal. Till then it was still it was still quite quite um quite quite an even game. I I remember Wills also had a few chances to equalize. But then it was the second goal where it actually killed them, the, the, the three minutes into the second half whereby uh, they there was an there was an argument where there was a foul in the build up to the goal. Yeah. Um, Yeah, whereby I believe it was more being fouled by uh, Simon Kier, Kier, further upfield. Yeah, so it was a foul. It was indeed a foul, but I think the argument was that uh, it was too far back from the goal. So there's a lot uh, like five to six passes after the foul, whereby uh, after that only they must score the goal. And also also it was quite a bad defending as well. Uh, uh, the, the, The substitute right back, Nicole Williams, uh, it was a very poor clearance, which ended in double feet, and he just slammed it into the net. So yeah, unlucky for Wales, but in this match, really, Denmark was better, but definitely not a four uh, new. If you guys match, it's not a four new gap.
2: Yeah. Uh, also, I would like to say, like, uh, I think the red card for Harry Wilson was quite harsh. Uh, quite harsh yes. I mean, I mean, it didn't really alter the match per se. I think the match was long over by then, but yeah, I think it was quite harsh.
0: Yeah. Okay, um Uday next match. Netherlands
1: against Czech, another shock. Another shock. Uh Czech made by Czech Republic towards Netherlands. Uh what a great game. Uh Chic, future Spurs striker maybe to replace Harry Kane. I don't know. That those are my thoughts with regards (laughs) to the game. And then uh Steven was right in the last podcast where you said that you were unsure which Netherlands team was gonna show up. And then yes. it was really weird that Netherlands trusted an 18-year-old striker, Mellon. And the uh-huh. red card definitely changed the game. Was mm-hmm. it harsh? I, d- I don't know. Maybe it deserved to be a red card. Uh, it was definitely denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, so mm. I guess it should be a red card. And then Czech Republic, they made it look easy play against Tenman, which was... Quite a difficult task to do. They usually tell that it's very hard to play against 10 men, but Czech Republic did it. And then Sucek was brilliant again. And like said earlier, in the group stages, they took their moments when it came. Um, the, And then this was again a game where it was decided by the managers where the Czech Republic side knew what the manager wanted and the Dutch players did not know what the manager wanted. And yeah, Chic is great caught and second highest top scorer with four goals. So... It's definitely increased in value in his tournament. That's what I wanted to say. Um, mm. Something to go a bit sidetrack is the rainbow symbol issue. Uh, I don't understand why UEFA and FIFA usually pick uh, less progressive nations to host the tournaments. And if they want to pick less progressive uh, nations like Hungary, they should definitely have rules and regulations to indicate mm. that this is what is going to happen and, you know, we are here to support the rights of every player, not just the rights of transsexual or gay rights, but rights of every single player. This rainbow color is supposed to be for everyone, not just for transsexual. And just because the Hungarian leader is not a big fan of it, they are making a lot of issues with regards to that. So definitely they should do some investigation on this. And it's going to be very interesting in Qatar next uh, World Cup. Whether they're gonna allow all of these rainbow coloured
2: flags there. Mm. Aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um so uh I think last, last podcast we did predict a Netherlands win, but yeah, Stephen did mention to be wary which Netherlands shows up. I think a lot of people had that fear also, including Cedric as well. Uh yeah, so this Netherlands, I think even before the red card uh didn't really show up, they didn't have a single shot on target throughout the whole match uh only six shots overall. And, and I think pretty poor. Um, one of them had a shocker as well. Uh, yes. uh, yeah, and again, once again this Czech side quite solid in defending. And took the two goals when it came, they don't they're not a they don't look like a side who will score four or five goals. But they, they seem like the side which is pretty solid will get you one or two goals and then like defend for their lives kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah uh, shake really on form. Suchek has not really scored or assisted that much, I think, but then he's playing that uh, quite well. Uh yeah overall I think quite deserved for Czech Republic. The moment of stupidity. Uh I saw the I saw the incident and uh, it, it looked quite quite uh deliberate to me. So I think it was a good decision to send him off. Uh he was definitely mm-hmm. denying goal scoring opportunity. I don't know why he did that. That definitely cost his country. Although Netherlands were playing well before that. At least with 11 men, they could have tried to defend and bring it to penalties, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, I think he lost the game for the Netherlands, for sure.
0: Yeah, um, I have to agree as well. I mean, like firstly, I would say that for the great card incident, personally, I feel, in my opinion, that is a great card. Firstly, it is clearly denying a goal-scoring cool opportunity. And secondly, it was not a accidental handball. You can see that he... Uh, altered the movement of his hand while he was falling over to touch the ball instead of going over it. So, so yeah, it it was a deliberate handball, but, you know, as the commentator said, I remember that I was in the highlight of the game. You do, as a defender, you do not let the ball bounce because as it bounces, you give more time for the forward to make up ground towards you. If the ball doesn't bounce and you head it away, you know, the forward is still, you know, uh, a bit of distance away from you. So, so it, I, I, what what killed the lead was that he let the ball bounce once, twice, and tried to be smart about it. Try to put his body in between the ball and the player. And and then he slipped in a crucial moment. And, and that, that's 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 what happened. That, that's what that's what done for him. Yeah. And regarding this game, um defensively, Netherlands were poor. Uh, I think I I I I, I highlighted to Arjun and Uday about this. Uh as well, whereby um the defending the, the, the defending of the set piece where uh Holes scored the first goal was quite poor, whereby the corner came in into the back post and uh PSG midfielder Gini Wijnaldum, did not challenge <laughs> for the ball. And <laughs> and when so so what happened was that there was a Czech player in the back post that headed it back to the near post. And when he headed back to the near post, there was an overload in the near post with two Czech players over there. And what happens was that uh, after the ball went to the back post and Daily Bean was stationed in the near post, and he actually walked like uh, right, walked out, walked out uh, like like to push up the, the the defensive line further up, but he left the two uh, Czech players um, behind. Yeah, so that overload you know considered them the goal. And for the second goal as well, again, PSG's midfielder Genie Wainaud was lazy and slow towards a loose ball, whereby hole picked it up. Run towards the defense and pass it to Sheikh and Sheikh slotted in. So quite a poor game defensively for Uh Wijnaldum. Um, but you know, uh, quite a poor tournament as well for Netherlands. Even though they did finish the group with all three victories, but this is an eye opener for me. Uh, seeing how well Dumfries played. The next big thing, I believe, And white right, right wing back as well. So probably will earn his big move soon. And also, also fair play to them. They played very well, and I look forward to the next match. Okay. Um. Yeah. Next match. Uh. Arjun, Belgium against Portugal. Yeah. Big match. Expected a lot from this match.
2: Uh. As a spectacle, I think I was slightly disappointed. They only had one goal. So again, I think uh, result-wise, I don't think it's a big surprise. We predicted a Belgian win, a narrow Belgian win, and it is a narrow Belgian win. But I think we uh, expected it to be a higher scoring, like 3-2 or 4-3 or something like that. So watching the match, I was pretty surprised that on the balance of the match, I think Portugal uh, dominated the game after the Belgian goal. Uh, Basically, the Belgian goal was the only shot on target for Belgium. Uh, while Portugal had 23 shots on goal, also only four was on target. So I think the problem for Portugal was their finishing, definitely. Uh, In the final third as well, the passing wasn't crisp enough. Um, I think over-relying on Cristiano Ronaldo once again, even when João Felix came on, I think he didn't do uh, well enough. Jota didn't do well enough. Bernardo Silva didn't play well enough. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, when he came on, I don't think he did enough as well. So ultimately, again, Portugal is relying on Cristiano Ronaldo. But props to them for trying... Uh, I think after the Belgian home day, Portugal started to really assert themselves on the match, uh, took control of the match. Belgium basically just sat back and defended uh, and tried to break out uh, break out contact attacks, but they didn't really succeed. It uh, seems like Togan Hazard is becoming the better Hazard right now. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it is so much from Eden Hazard as well. Lukaku did try to bring the ball up, but he was crowded out and Eden Hazard wasn't in space to get the ball. So, yeah, I think ultimately Belgium was a bit lucky in this match, given that they didn't create that many chances. Probably only two chances, one of it resulted in the goal. when it's possible create loads of chances, but they just couldn't finish it. They just didn't have Ronaldo in the right place to finish it. Uh, Ronaldo was at times the one providing the chances. So, yeah, I think that was ultimately led to their downfall. Uh, I think after the final whistle, Ronaldo even told Courtois, uh, <laughs> A bit unlucky, the ball didn't. just didn't want to go into the net. And I think that summed up the night for Portugal. So Belgium was mm-hmm. a bit lucky to scrape through. But um, yeah, I think they have to improve in the next round. Which yes. would be hard because uh, I think Eden Hazard and De Bruyne just got injured. And I expect is against Italy as well. So yeah, good luck to them. Uh, um,
1: De, Bruyne, De Bruyne is uh, reportedly uh, fake already. Um, So I just oh, wanted to right, let you know okay. that. So that's a that's good news for Belgium. Yeah. Um, great analysis. What you said about Ronaldo was the fact that he was doing the unselfish runs. He was creating the chances and there was nobody else to support him. Which makes me wonder, is Portugal better with or without Ronaldo making those unselfish runs? Oh, in general. Um, but then again, it just shows you that if you have somebody like a Ronaldo and you have another Ronaldo there, maybe Portugal would have won this game. Um, And then Belgium's defence looked strange once teams start playing wrong balls against them, which is what Portugal did in the last 20 minutes, which was really fun to see. You know, it was something that you see in which a big team versus a small team and you just start whacking balls over and trying to hope for the best. And I mean, you kind of understand why why that happened because the defenders had a combined age of 101 years old. So, of course, they look really weird when they have, a long balls being played towards them. Mm. Um and then I think Immobile and Insigne for Italy might have a fun day against Belgium if they continue playing if Italy decides to play these long balls. So that was with regards to Belgium's defense. And then with regards to Belgium's attack, Token Hazard scored a beautiful colour. And I disagree with what Arjun said about Eden Hazard not being there. Really. I saw him holding up the play. Eden Hazard and Lukaku's hold-up play was really well. Um, I think there was one instance where Eden Hazard had to go past three or four players in their own defensive half and I think that was his task was for him to get the ball as far away as possible from the Belgium goal and he did really well. Uh, Lukaku again, very well done as a hold-up play Uh, and then he was telling just before the game that he is equally as good as Lewandowski and Ronaldo but He didn't show it with regards to him scoring the goal but but with the hold-up play again, I keep on repeating the hold-up play but it was really well done and I think there was one part where he was just running and then I think because he was really tired he just passed the ball to the wrong person. So, it just showed how uh, hard-working he was and uh, that was basically that. Um, It was a game of 70 minutes of nothing and 20 minutes of back, back and forth. That's the conclusion for the Belgium versus Portugal game.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with that. And this is very good analysis, and uh, I think you you did brought out a lot of hold up play, and I I feel it's important in in, in this sense it really important because the goal also did come from a Belgium clearance whereby Lukaku hold up hold up the ball from Diaz and Pepe, and then he bring Eden and Togan Hazard into the play. Yeah, on the on the left wing of Belgium side as well, and I feel Lukaku Hazard and Hazard overwhelmed. And, uh Portugal right back uh Diogo Dallo in, in this in this game, which he also came in for, 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 for Nelson Semedo as well. So uh and also the, the goal did come from his side uh Dallo's side as well. And I feel uh Patricia should have done better with a maybe stronger pump to um to to, to, to to for that save on the on the goal from Hazard. And the problem with Portugal I feel is that uh Ronaldo do not have uh I feel like, to answer your question, I feel a Portugal with Ronaldo is definitely better compared to a Portugal without Ronaldo because just for the you know, moment of magic. But then again, I feel what he's lacking is, uh, is somebody who has similar quality as him, somebody who is very, very um clinical, I would say, a Lewandowski or a Karim Benzema, even a Karim Benzema in that sense. I feel throughout his time in, in Portugal, he doesn't have a uh, uh, not to say his caliber but a clinical striker even even Messi has a Aguero uh, by his side in Argentina and so for this match um, we see a lot of wasted chances from Diego Jota and also uh, when Joe Phillips came on he, he, he missed a lot of chances as well near the end of the match so yeah I agree with Arjun um, did scrape through but next match against Italy it will be quite hard because you know the fitness of the Dubuena and Hazard we're still not sure so yeah, that's about it. Um, Next match is Croatia against Spain, Arjun. Yeah, so
2: again, this was one of the matches that I didn't watch uh, but because I thought it was going to be boring. Uh, I, I think we, uh, again, once again, we did predict Spain to go through. Uh, We did mention we don't know which Croatia will show up. Uh, again, which Spain will show up as well. But yeah, Stephen did bring up a good point that Spain played well Coinciding with Sergio Busquets' return, uh, which I think, looking back at the highlights, does seem uh, quite a fair point. And again, in this match, um, Spain did, did pretty well at the, uh, at the beginning. Uh, of course, uh, the goalkeeper had a horror moment, the own goal. Uh, I, I think it was pretty bad control. It just rolled over his foot. He wasn't focusing. They gifted the lead to Croatia. Fortunately for Spain, Croatia wasn't uh, dominating the game and they could go ahead in the game. I think they took a 3-1 lead after that, uh, Spain, and they were in complete control. And then in the last moment, similar to the France-Switzerland game, they succumbed to two Croatia attacks, and Croatia scored two goals to equalize. But luckily for them, in extra time, Spain still managed to pull through through two goals. Morata's goal was really taken what a volley. I think he silenced a lot of critics through that goal. Uh, overall, I think good value for Wittu uh, about Spain. It's just that they had uh, a period where they lost focus and they they, they can't do that against higher-caliber opposition. Uh, so that's something they have to watch out for in the next game as well. The next game, they are facing Switzerland who knocked out France. So I think mm. if... They lose concentration like they did against Croatia. They could be punished in the same way. Uh, yeah, so, so that's about it. I think, yeah, that was great
1: analysis. Do, do you think that's one of the best own goals you've ever seen in the history of football? <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I think that, that own goal bit, bit, uh you, you know how they put the top scorers and own goal is out there in like nine own goals? I yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't think it's catchable by anyone. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> that will go definitely um, distance the position between the top scorer and the other contenders right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think what you did summarise was really well. It um, was a game of madness and another last-minute equaliser. And Morata, like I said in the last podcast that Morata is going to be crucial. And I think... He definitely kept me quiet by scoring that fourth goal. And also, I said that Croatia was going to go through. Um, I didn't know a very tired Croatia was going to show up. And I didn't know that Spain was just going to turn up uh, from gear three to gear five, maybe. And the second time... Spain even gave Croatia a free goal. Yeah, exactly. After giving Croatia a free goal, I didn't know that was going to happen. But uh, top marks to Spain and uh, Paolo Sarabia, I think I touched it a bit earlier in the third game, third uh, group stage game. And he played well again. And Olmo played really well. I think overall the whole Fran- uh, Spanish team uh, deserved this victory. And was because of the tiredness of Croatia. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I,
2: um, I, I, but I just wanted to add that... Uh, Spain has not started Tiago or Rodri in the last two games, which is surprising because uh, they, I mean, especially Rodri just won the Premier League with Man City. Uh, Thiago, yeah. I think in in the last few months with Liverpool, he's uh, he form picked up as well, and he's not yes. starting matches for Spain. Neither is Rodri, and they are playing better without them. because compared to the two matches that Rodri did start at the beginning in the group stage,
0: Yeah, so again, uh, okay. Firstly, it's the own goal. Like I feel the own goal was a result of uh, not concentrating on the ball, and also Pedri's back pass was a bit too strong, but still managed to be. Uh, it, it is. It still should be controlled by the the goalkeeper Unai Simon as well. But I feel what happened was that when the ball was coming in, he's already looking out for his next pass already, and he's not at that split moment of time. Um, he did not concentrate how the ball curves away from him. So, he kind of hit his shin and went into the goal. So, so um, quite an unlucky goal, but, you know, probably too strong for Pedri as well. So, for this game, um, yeah, as I said earlier in the earlier podcast, you know, the return of Sergio Busquets. So, as you can see, the first two matches where Rodri played, you know, Spurs, uh, Spurs. <laughs> Spain didn't score any goal. Uh, or scored one goal. But in the last two matches, Spain, uh, Spain scored a total of 10 goals. Well, last two match against Croatia and Slovakia. So, probably the midfield conductor of Sergio Busquets is very important as well. Yeah, and, and what I realised this match is that I think with the... Spain understands that Morata is not on form and he maybe probably have a difficult time scoring goals. So, the late runners into the box is much more important for Spain in this game. So, as you can see for this game, Cesar Azpilicueta at this score a uh, 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 second goal for, for Spain, which give them the lead. And this is a header from him, and it's not from a corner, whereby it's a cross, and he just popped up in the centre-forward area, and not, not sit home. So, the lead runners from you know people like Torres, Salarabia, Pedri, Koke, um, it's very crucial for Spain to support Morata in this game, and I feel the return of Sergio Busquets, uh, uh, I know that I'm clear on repeating about him, but in, uh, in Liverpool, we see the importance of Fabinho coming back in a CDM position. The return of Sergio Busque released you know, the, the other midfield partners to go further ahead and attack because they know that they have a reliable CDM in the position. Yeah, so you know, well played to Croatia, but you know, Spain has more quality. And I feel that even though Spain did not, you know, they 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 they, they were slow to kind of warm up to the tournament, but two 10 goals in the last two games they are forced to be reckoned with and Cedric may be right. Spain may be a dark horse who, who will go all the way to the final. Okay, um, next match. Today, uh, Sweden against Ukraine.
1: Um, this was a game which was decided based on the red card that happened as well. Um, what happened with the red card was that it was definitely a deserved red card. Um, the player did a tackle that was a leg-breaking tackle and the rules indicates that if it's a leg-breaking tackle, it should definitely be the red card. And I thought because of that, uh Sweden definitely um, lost the extra time because Ukraine didn't create any chance up to the point in which it's got the second goal in the last minute of the extra time. So it just the red card definitely changed the game altogether. And again... It was the Forsberg show. Forsberg scored the first goal for Sweden, and he hit the woodwork twice. And Ukraine's Zinchenko scored uh, the first goal for Ukraine before Forsberg equalized. So what a good goal that was as well. Um, again, it showed the weakness in the Swedish defense. And I I've I've basically I've s- s- didn't really have time to watch this match. And I honestly thought that the red card was really major based on the articles I read and the research that I've done. And yeah, because of that, it definitely lost the match. There y- Yarbalenko was played well as well, which is what I said earlier. He is another force to reckon with for the country especially. So, top marks for Ukraine to go through, and it's going to be an interesting quarterfinals for Ukraine versus, versus the opponent, which we'll discuss later.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So agree agree with Ode uh, as well. I think I definitely think the Russia tip the favor to Ukraine. Um, I think Sweden did a pretty good job attacking after Zinchenko's opener. What uh, Z- what a good goal by Zinchenko, by the way. A great volley, a uh, great control only into the net. And after that, I think Forsberg was brilliant. Uh, he hit the Woodwork twice, like Ode mentioned. Scored the goal. I think he was re- he was probably Su- uh, Sweden's most threatening player, probably the most threatening player on the pitch. Um, for Ukraine, I think Yamalenko was uh, played pretty well, but yeah, they uh, after after Emil Forsberg's goal for Sweden, I think Ukraine didn't create as many chances until after the red card, and yeah, that definitely tipped the match to Ukraine's favor. I think by that point, uh, Sweden were hoping to hold on for penalties, and it was heartbreaking because Ukraine uh, scored their winner in the hundred twentieth minute in added time. But again, brilliantly found by Zinchenko, top big scot. Uh, yeah, I think after the red card, probably definitely deserved by Ukraine. So I think uh, looking at the red card as well, uh, I think it was a pretty deserved red card for Danielson. Uh, it looked pretty horrible. Starts up challenge on near the ankle, could have potentially broken the other player's leg. Uh, definitely deserved red card, but unfortunate way to, for Sweden to exit this Euros. Uh, yeah. So I think that's about sums up this match.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, The next match, uh, Adun, England against Germany, last one. Yeah. uh,
2: I think one of the most looked forward to matches of this round, uh, even by us as well, because there's so much hype regarding England as usual. Uh, But of course, in this match, I was really surprised that Germany didn't trouble England's backline more. Although, yes, England have not considered yet, but I thought Germany could have created more chances. But in watching the match, I felt that uh, England easily dominated the match. Didn't create that many chances, but created enough chances to win. Uh, Two two very good goals uh, by Sterling and Kane. Grealish came on and created the chance for Kane as well. Shaw played really well, created the first chance for Sterling. Um, Before the match, I was thinking that, Shaw at left wing-back is not a good idea, because he has not played well there at United at all. But in this match, I think he proves me wrong for sure. Uh, He had a really good match at left wing-back. I think that's the best I've seen him play at left wing-back. And yeah, I think Pickford did really well as well. He had like two saves to make. Uh, For Germany, I think the moment where they really missed their chance was the Muller chance, obviously. Ball given away by Sterling. Muller one-on-one with Pickard. Uh, I think everyone expected him to score, and he missed that. Uh, I think that was the biggest chance for Germany in the game. Other than that, Germany's wing struggled to get into the game, because England's wing-backs pushed very high, and um, basically pushed them back, they didn't allow them to attack. I think that was the key. Uh, we mentioned before that this match might go down to a wing-back battle, uh, which wingback dominates,
1: and I think England's wingback dominated this match and won England the match basically yeah how about Thomas Muller not Thomas Muller Thomas Muller <laughs> um, yeah very well said by Arjun um, I think you didn't mention one player that caught my eye was Calvin Phillips Calvin Phillips again um, I think I was telling in the last podcast in which I thought England didn't have a good pivot but Calvin Phillips regained the ball 11 times versus Germany. The second highest for an English player in a European, comp- Euro competition, or European competition. So, very well done by Kevin Phillips. Luke Shaw impressed, lovely assist for the first goal and good all round play. And a masterclass by um, the manager, Garrett Southgate. He pinned out Gossels and Ginter for 70 minutes with Saka and Sterling and then brought out Greenish to attack their tired legs. And this is the first time England kept four clean sheets in an international tournament since the 1966 World Cup win. So, do you think it's really coming home, Stephen?
0: They have a big chance, of course, they have a big chance. I feel, wait, wait, is that the end of your review? Yeah, yeah, that's the end of my review. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a very good ending. Okay, um, I think, firstly, they have a big chance. Um, overall, uh, looking at the tournament lineup, uh, they have a quite an easy route now to the final, maybe against Italy in this, in this, uh, in the other side of the half. Um, yeah, so for this match, I watched this match as well. I think this is the first match that I watched the whole 19 minutes uh, yesterday and um, two days ago. And I think the, 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 the difference was that the substitution of Jack Grealish and I feel it, it is a masterclass from the Garrel Southgate and probably he will again uh, do this in the next round, which is what I feel is that do not start Jack Grealish and then wait until the second half or the middle of the second half then you bring him on and, you know, like what Udi said, the tired legs of the defence um, will we'll, we'll allow Jack Grealish to, to run further in it, uh, into the defence. Because he he was a difference. He made a difference whereby he's running, he's there running. You know, firstly he 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 passed to Luke Shaw for the first goal, and secondly he also for the second goal he, he provided assist for Harry Kane's header as well. So definitely the difference maker. And of course I agree what Arjun said. You know, it's a better wing back. And for this back as well, looking at the lineup, I think I remember we discussed with Cedric and uh, uh, Arjun when the lineup was announced, whereby. We were surprised that you know Gareth Southgate matched up the 3-4-3 formation against Germany's formation. So, so uh, it's definitely a better wing back, and of course, you know, Karen Chupra, Karen Trippier and Luke Shaw. And we had our reservations about Luke Shaw playing in left wing back as well. And he turned up pretty well, right, Arjun? This match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah. So providing the assist for the first goal as well. And Kayo Saka, oh my goodness, I have to say. <laughs> he, he, is, he is very good. He is, you know, he is the, the 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 player that we did not expect him to start, but he really did shine in this tournament, I feel. And but I remember saying that, you know, when when I saw him play for Arsenal and he was running down his contract, I said, if he's a free agent, please do sign him, Liverpool. <laughs> and this match shows that he, how good he is, you know. And in the first first half, he did you know uh, uh, play against Rudiger, up against Rudiger, and he played very well. Rudiger Rudiger had to foul him a, a couple of times, and uh, I remember England had a few free kick chances on the on it the, on their right wing as well. And it's only in the second half where Rudiger started to you know use his experience and 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 try to overwhelm Saka. And when that was when uh, Jack Grealish came into play. Yeah, overall, a uh, good match, uh, a good game by England, even though, you know, the media like to overhype. I still feel that the media overhyped England's uh, potential. But, you know, uh, I feel Germany shot themselves in the foot. You know, they had a, a few um, uh, good chances yeah. as well. You know, at the start of the match, I remember Goretzka running through on goal. You know, uh, Declan Rice pulled him down. It was a very early yellow card. You know, they have a free kick in a very good position. They missed it. And then uh, the Werner chance, Werner also had a one-on-one versus uh foot in the penalty area. You know, he didn't score as well. And then also, of course, the Muller chance as well. So all in all, I feel Germany didn't finish up the chances, whereas England did. So yeah, fair play to England. And now they have uh, quite an easy route to the final. Yeah. Um. Anything else to add, Uday and Arjun?
2: No, I think that's it. Um, yeah, <laughs> for me, for me, I think it would uh, be a dis- huge disappointment for England if they don't at least reach the final this round. Like you mentioned, they have an easy route um, yeah. with with France's exit. With uh, I mean, France would have been on the other side uh, on the other half anyway, but with the Netherlands' exit yeah, just... as well, uh, uh, I think this this represents their best chance in years to reach the final. So they should at least reach the final, and the other side of the draw is so tough. Belgium, Italy, and Spain are all crowded in the other
0: half. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, and the fact is, they they only need to beat one of the Belgium, Italy, or you know, or Spain to reach to, to win a trophy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so 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 it's like a replay of twenty eighteen World Cup game whereby England is in the easier half of the draw, but they did lose to Croatia in the semi final. And, you know, easy route to the final. And the last time England was in the final was the 1966 World Cup as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it coming home? Let's stay tuned. Listeners, <laughs> uh, if you have any comments about our podcast, please do leave us a DM on our Instagram. My Instagram handle is at on and Arjun's Instagram handle is at Ruben Arjun And once again, Uday, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Thank you very much.
1: Welcome, au revoir.
0: See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, friends. <laughs> Bye-bye, friends. <laughs> Bye. Okay. All right, listeners, thank you very much. And we'll see you again next time where we will do the prediction of the last eight quarterfinal clashes. Stay safe. See you again. Bye-bye.